Magazine um, essay as well as other um, geographies, up by 27% to 27.4 billion, trading profits sitting at 3.1 billion, with EBITDA sitting at 3.6 billion. Um, so I think that, you know, those have actually really um, come in well. Um, the acquisition spree is not over yet. Um, management looking um, to acquire another facilities business in Australia. Mm. Um, so while a lot of businesses falter when it comes to, to acquisition, I think that, um, you know, Brian Joffey, as well as the guys that, you know, he's mentored and brought up, um, seem to, you know, to hit the nail on the head when it comes to this. Um, so, yeah, well done to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, I guess, from a capital investment perspective, if uh, one looks at uh, sort of where they are putting some of their CapEx money, inland LPG terminal, multipurpose tanks uh, out in Richards Bay, and uh, also, I guess, um, you know, uh, making some investments um, in inventory, factories, back offices, and so on. So it also seems not only is um, the story out in that income statement, but also in the balance sheet uh, seems to have had a lot of activity as well. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you have to sort of like double, double check the bid with numbers. Um, you mentioned in some of the topics, you know, that they, they, you know, they've, they've invested in, you know, they're quite bullish on, you know, the South African mining and the mm. agricultural space. So investing, you know, in terminals, like you've mentioned, also investing in warehousing. Um, so, you know, they've invested quite a bit, you know, just to grow the business, you know, aggressively. And cash generated is down 16%, but it's still sitting at 11.5 billion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the guys have quite a strong balance sheet. Um, they have quite good relationships as well with their funders. Um, you find that, that in terms of, you know, their funding mix, it's quite strong. You know, a bit of, um, you know, uh, funding that they get locally, but as well as a bit of funding that they get, you know, denominated in euros and the like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, fully, fully mature business with, um, you know, strong growth um, trajectory on the line. Mm, mm. Talk to me about that dividend. Yeah, so dividend up twenty four, um, up twenty four percent. It's uh, sitting at uh, seven hundred and forty four cents. So um, very, very strong. Um, I mean, you couple that with what we just discussed now about actually making those investments, you know, in capex, and the fact that they're still also able to declare such a strong dividend, um, just shows that you know the business is well positioned going into the future. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we also saw some other company news coming through from RCL. These are the guys who give us anything from Nola Mayonnaise through to uh, Rainbow Chicken. And uh, also, if you've ever seen an, any store, uh, logistics. Yes, yes, yes. How do yeah. they do? Um, they also did very well. I mean, I think that, you know, when it comes to the food business, um, I've been quite impressed with, you know, some of the results that we're getting officially, you know, um, you know, being put out there within, you know, the media, but as well as, you know, just, um, you know, discussions. I think that, you know, um, you know, they, despite, you know, high commodity prices, um, their grocery business, their sugar business, um, doing very well. Rainbow Chicken being the hero of the story, uh, hero of the story today. I mean, you remember that in 2017, they were struggling so badly. Um, they had to, you know, retrench quite a number of people. Um, and, you know, today coming up with very strong, you know, uh, numbers. So, I mean, group revenue is up to 34.9 billion. Um, that's a 10.2% uplift EBITDA sitting at two, um, two, um, 2.6 billion. That's a 7.7% uplift. 
Um, and you look at your rainbow chicken division, you know, management has done so well. Um, quite a lot of the EBITDA uplift actually coming from that division that, you know, just a couple of years ago, shareholders were saying that, guys, you know, um, you know, use it or lose it type of thing. Mm. Um, so we're seeing quite a, you know, um, positive result from RCL as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, I guess when we look at some of the divisions there, what do you think might have accounted for, you know, the much better than expected showing by the sugar business? Um, you know, a lot of people talking about the sugar tax and the looming prospect of that. Um, and um, certainly to your mind, I mean, is, is this just on the back of a consumer rebound uh, post-COVID-19 restrictions on mobility and lockdowns? Yeah, I mean, those things definitely, you know, have contributed positively, but we also need to consider the fact that, you know, the sugar price has, you know, really done well, you know, for the business. You know, your international, you know, sugar price has, you know, gone up by 27%. So from an export perspective, you know, they've also just benefited substantially uh, from that perspective. So, yes, I think that, you know, volumes have been great, um, but I do think that, you know, quite a lot of that and quite a lot of the joy is coming from just the sugar price increase. Mm, mm. And then, uh, I guess the other elements of their business, groceries, baking, and, uh, you know, I mean, I guess we've touched on the poultry space as well, where there have been some challenges. Uh, What do you make of that? Yeah, so also doing very well. I mean, they've gained um, market share across, you know, the board when it comes to a lot of their brands. Um, you know, the bakery business is doing um, quite well. We know that they've put in a pending, you know, acquisition for um, for Sunshine Bakeries. So I think that, you know, also they're um, making quite a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it, investment. Yes, investment when it comes, you know, to the bakery line. I know that, you know, they've also just invested quite substantially in a bakery line in Bulugwane. Mm. So we're seeing quite a lot of uplift there. Um, if you're looking at just that entire division, you know, revenue up by 7.4%, um, EBITDA down a bit, you know, 6.3%. Um, however, you know, quite a lot of that is coming from these high commodity prices. Um, but overall, you know, in terms of market share, they're growing quite well, you know, against their competitors. And I think that it's also just because, you know, quite a lot of their brands in terms of price, you know, do quite well, you know, in comparison to their competitors. Mm. Um, so overall, um, you know, the, the, the team really, really um, winning on this front. Yeah. Also, I guess for their vector logistics operations, uh, big yes. integration project underway, Imperial Cold Logistics. Um, yeah, I mean, any guidance they've given on that in the market? Uh, because I guess it's always difficult, you know, when you acquire a new business to integrate, you know, anything from your information systems through to your standard operating procedures to employees and all manner of other things. How have they done on that score? Yeah, so the vector logistics business, um, they've had like an EBITDA uplift of 18.3%. Um, and they've actually made a point of, you know, just noting that it's because of like the cost savings coming from that integration, you know, with the internal cold storage business. Mm. Um, so it seems to, you know, um, you know, all systems go there and everything, you know, going according to plan. Um, I think that, you know, the acquisition being finalized around, you know, October um, 2019, if my, if my memory serves me well. Um, and I think that, you know, the team is only now just really beginning to reap the benefits of that punt. Yeah, yeah. Let's shift to France. Now, uh, mm-hmm. teams in uh, the world of television, uh, mm-hmm. there's uh, quite a bit of consolidation underway there. And I think it seems some of the French local players, they're trying to build a big player that can withstand all the pressure from Apple TV, Netflix, Sony, and other studios. 
who are getting, I guess, much more of a share of eyeballs from uh, French consumers and uh, 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 content watchers than maybe some of the more traditional terrestrial television. Yeah, um, so very interesting. I, I see, you know, we know that in South Africa, multi-choice has been struggling, you know, quite a bit when it comes to Netflix, you know, losing um, a, a lot of subscribers, struggling as well with the fact that you know, South Africa is also just dealing with a lot of problems economically, you know, disposable income, uh, you know, is, is a major issue. And when it comes to, you know, financial pressures, I think that, you know, if you're having financial pressure, one of the first things that's going to go is your, you know, your TV subscription. Um, so it is quite interesting to find that, you know, Netflix is giving, you know, trouble mm. um, across across the globe. So just a bit of background. Um, so essentially um, what's currently, you know, being discussed at the moment is just this proposed merger between a company called TF1 and um, Group M6. So effectively the proposal is for TF1 to acquire Group M6. And essentially, um, you know, the, the regulator kept coming out there and saying that, listen, guys, you know, um, if you guys get together, you guys are essentially going to control over 75% of the advertising market. And that does raise a lot of issues when it comes to, you know, potential antitrust, anti-competitive behavior. Um, so the, the, the proposal there by those two companies, just to say that, listen, um, Netflix is coming in strong. Mm. Um, their subscriber base is, is, is quite strong. And we also need to just, you know, strengthen ourselves in terms of, you know, managing our cost structures and the like. There's no use, you know, in actually fighting the solo to get together. But they seem to, you know, be coming, you know, against some trouble with the regulator and the market reacting today in a way that, you know, that sort of indicates that the merger might not actually happen. Um, but they are going to make their submissions to the country's regulator, you know, on why this merger should actually um, um, go forward. And so, yeah, waiting to see what comes of that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess only time will tell insofar as that is concerned. Um, I guess, you know, maybe just a last thought on this one before we let it go. It, it mm-hmm. does show, though, that, um, you know, there's um, seeming alignment between competition authorities across the world. I mean, th- this issue of looking, I guess, once a, you know, uh, uh, some competitiveness assessment has been made and then saying, look, actually, you might have to dispose of certain assets. Uh, one would have thought it's, it's a lot easier in markets where you're selling goods and services than, uh, I guess, uh, markets where now there's a sense that, you know, there might be some dominant market behavior in the world of advertising. Um, some mm-hmm. of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I do agree that it is quite interesting. Um, usually, you know, we live in a capitalistic society and the way things are going, you, you never think that things like these are actually going to sort of be prohibited or people are actually going to look at it. And I also just want to, you know, to mention that this actually might also still go through, but with considerable, you know, um, restrictions and considerable rules of what can and cannot be done. Um, so, I mean, I completely agree with you in terms of the fact that there seems to be uniformity across the world to say that we have to watch for this. Um, you know, we've seen what's happened with the Facebooks of the world um, coming, um, coming, having to testify before some of the, you know, the, the highest committees within um, the United States of America. So, yes, I completely agree that, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting observation and we can only wait to see, you know, if there actually is a lot of will to see through mm. with some of, you know, these threats. Yeah, yeah. Let's now head to the Zondo Commission. Uh, mm. Very interesting uh, development here on one of the issues 
uh, that was f- flagged at the Zondo Commission insofar as Transnet is concerned. Now, last week, you know, we saw the uh, arrest of uh, some of the uh, uh, senior management team at uh, Transnet, Anoj Singh, oh. Brian Mulefe, and uh, many others. And it seems now that, um, you know, um, Paul Holden, Director oh. of Investigations at Shadow World Investigation, sent a dossier uh, to oh. uh, German prosecutors uh, around T-Systems' involvement in uh, the corporate capture of the state. And uh, this after, of course, uh, T-Systems had uh, a contract uh, with the Transnet IT contract that uh, was renewed several times between 2010 and 2019, even at the expense of a local player like Kijima, and uh, it seems that uh, they did so and uh, also were paying regular monthly payments to a company linked to a Gupta associate, Salim Essa, uh, and also, I guess, to um, another company linked to the Gupta Sachaba Computer Systems, which uh, was uh, seen as their supplier development partner. Uh, and it's understood that Sachaba earned more than 300 million rand uh, on this contract. And T-Systems earned between 2010 and 2019 4.8 billion rand uh, from the contract. Uh, and it seems the German authorities are, are quite interested in this one. Extremely. Um, and I think that it's so interesting what's been happening. We see what happened with Bain in the UK. The government is saying that they will no longer give them any public contracts, mm. um, you know, when it comes to McKinsey. And I think that, you know, just this move by the German government um, is, 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 is something that will definitely yield something. Mm. I mean, the German government, when it comes to corporate fraud, is quite strict um, and is quite punitive. Um, last year, if not the year before that, Wirecard um, was found to have been a, a financial services company based in, in, in Germany, was found to have been involved in accounting fraud. And some of the management are fugitives. You know, you see pictures of them running around somewhere in Russia. So I think that, you know, we, as South Africans, we can definitely cheer this on. Um, I think that um, there will definitely be quite a few, you know, arrests um, that are made, if not, you know, punitive um, fines being given um, to T-Systems. And especially considering the fact that it is effectively, T-Systems is a subsidiary of um, the German government. Um, so German, you know, the German government, they take these things very seriously. Um, it's actually quite funny if you read the article in German and you just translate it in English, the headline is the wild deals of the telecom subsidiary. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I think that, you know, um, just the media and everyone will definitely take this seriously, which they should. I mean, you mentioned the $4.8 billion, um, from, you know, this contract that you mentioned. But if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I read that, you know, just in total, T-Systems earned about $12.3 billion from the entire state capture, you know, um, regime. So people need to answer. It always goes back to the fact that we can sit here, we can talk about government, and we do mm. want to hold government, you know, accountable. However, you know, public sector is, is heavily involved. Yeah. Um, management is heavily involved, and people need to be held accountable. So quite happy about today's um, mm. um, announcement. Last week we were asking, I mean, I, I, I recall I was talking to you, actually, when uh, this uh, came to light. You know, um, Brian Molefe, Anoj Singh and co., Lita Nyonya and others, you know, on the conch, but me and my I didn't see McKinsey. I didn't see T-Systems. I didn't see, you know, if, if um, and maybe it's still coming, you know, but uh, I think when the, you know, uh, the chickens come home to roost, say, for instance, on the SAA matter, I think it would be unsettling if indeed the only people who have to account are the likes of, uh, you know, Mr. Nzeku or Yake Kwinana um, and co., 
without the likes of, for instance, a Swiss port, uh, mm. who are in some cases the major beneficiaries of some of the contracts that we see there? I completely agree. I mean, if we take it back just to the Transnet, um, you know, contract that Brian Munefere as well as his um, co-accused were in court for, you see it's a McKinsey-led um, consortium. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and they got the bulk of the funds. So it's a very, it's a sensitive issue, but as sensitive as it is, as the citizens of this country, if we want true justice, we cannot be selective. Mm. Um, so we need to demand that we see all faces, all races. If you are involved in the state capture, you need to be held accountable. Mm. The, um, and I, I think that um, when it comes to corporates who will portray a certain demeanor of, of, of honesty and a certain demeanor of integrity, you know, meanwhile, um, the complete opposite is happening. This is something that, you know, I feel the government needs to make a statement. Well, not the government, the courts, they need to make a statement about to say that you will be held accountable. So, yes, I completely agree with you, hoping to still see um, any, you know, people from, you know, the likes of McKinsey, um, like you said, Swissport have also been implicated, being held accountable in some shape or form, also being in court. Um, so while we will share the progress that has currently been made, we still, you know, we still want more. Yeah. Kanya, Masishiapo for this week. As always, a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Kanya Nzuruleka, co-founder at Satana Capital, joining us tonight for our wrap of the top business stories. In the next few minutes or so, CSI Ambesia Ekapa, where it seems uh, a lot of... Uh, yeah, working class commuters faced with considerable risk uh, in their daily commute. Uh, and even, I guess, those who use public health services last week uh, got to uh, clinics in places like Nyanga, Kusicha, uh, or got uh, onto their Golden Arrow buses, Zacha. And uh, we're going to take a look at that in the next few minutes or so with the report at the weekend, Argus Velani Lutiti, who's going to be joining us for our headlines.